The year is 1984. I'm Dave. I'm Zach. And this is My Marvelous Year. Hello, and welcome to My Marvelous Year. I'm your host, Dave Busing, founder and editor-in-chief of ComicBookHerald.com. I am joined today by the man who stopped time with his bad takes, <laughs> who took four tries to get our clap synced on this podcast, who claps so weakly. I, I think the president just tweeted an insult at him about week T. It's <laughs> Zach Dean. How's it going, Zach? It's good. Feel kind of feel kind of pathetic about that. You know, it's not pathetic. Actually... I was going to say, my takes about all the comics we read. Are you read transitioning here. into the comic already? That, that was your transition voice for sure. Yeah. Um, I I feel like this episode, just a prediction. Because, I, I, I don't know, I okay. think you uh, you generally overestimate or overstate how, how much we're at odds with stuff. I think we're at odds with, or not at odds. I think we're in sync more or less 80, 85% of the time. Um, I, would, I would completely inverse that ratio. We are out of sync. 85% that's, of the time. I mean, that's just like empirically. And we are both into NSYNC 100% of the time. <laughs> that's the 15% overlap. Absolutely untrue. Is how much we both love NSYNC. No, that's wild. Not true. Um, Were you a Backstreet Boys guy or an NSYNC guy? NSYNC. I liked NSYNC when I was a... I like Backstreet Boys, so there you go. Okay. I mean, they're, they're both you pretty have good, it. but I, I liked NSYNC a little more. Oh, and then you weasel your way yeah, into sorry. trying to be nice and polite. I should have said, uh, no. what am I, a... Uh, no. Five... Ep- Five ever? No. What was that band? It was like a fake MTV version of NSYNC. <laughs> Maybe you're more into the scene than I was. Do you, there was 98 Degrees. There was... Together, um, with, spelled with a two. That's right. Okay. Yeah, yeah. That was your jam. Yeah? Yeah. yeah. You heard it here first. <laughs> my Marvelous Year <laughs> Club. Nothing. So if you're listening for okay. the first time, or one of the first times, this is My Marvelous Year, the show where we go through Marvel Comics history from its origins to today. Again, this is comics of 1984, so every year we have curated list of the best stories, or the most, oh boy, how do we describe it for this episode, the most pertinent, the most notable, here, I guess is the way to say it. Here's the thing. Stories of the, the year. This, this was what my prediction was going to be. I think I'm going to be just a little more uh, moderate on all of my takes. Like, oh, I think you're going to be weak. probably more effusive and more damning of the comics in both, like, both directions. Comics plural. I don't yeah. know about that. <laughs> I don't know about that. Yeah, so today we're doing 1984 Part 1. If you want to see all the comics we're going to be reading year to year, you can find them in the show notes. Mm-hmm. You can find them at MyMarvelousYear.com. Or you can find them if you are a supporter over at patreon.com slash MyMarvelousYear with access to the master spreadsheet, one of the nice many bonuses you can get there. My Marvelous Year brought to you by listener support at patreon.com slash MyMarvelousYear. So the comics we'll be reading today for this episode, 1984 Part 1, Fantastic Four 261 to 262, Amazing Spider-Man 248 to 251, and Dazzler the Movie. Now, I do think we need to clear the air. A little bit uh-huh. on the inclusion of Marvel's original graphic novel yeah. number twelve. Yeah, I was going to bring this. Dazzler up. the movie. So I have been saying all week <laughs> yes. that I I am condemning publicly Zach's I mean, name literally for right. making us read 
Dazzler the movie. And you've been saying, what are you talking about? You added it of your own volition. True. As, As is often the case, there's a little bit of truth to both stories, just usually more truth to mine. This, the reason Dazzler is on this list is because you've mentioned it a bunch on the show. You've, you've mentioned it a number of times because of the fact that I ranked it as, for a long time, my second least favorite comic book of all time. Yes. On the, the comic Yeah, of I, all I time mentioned it in a way that like, we read Marvel as a notoriously terrible comic, and it was like, oh, wouldn't it yes. be funny to do a, like a bonus pod where we read Dazzler the movie? But I never... I never once like thought we would actually put it on the main list, and so like accrediting that to me is just it's absurd. I I mean I, yeah I think, right like, no exactly one, like you your your to... constant pestering about getting this book on the list it, it finally got to me, so I put it I, on like the word gaslighting the, is the graphic way novel overused is these days, but that is it's literally what's happening here. You are gaslighting me <laughs> with this. No, it, truly, like yes, I am. Like with some of the the some of the commentary like, uh, but truly i would not have put it on the list had you not mentioned it throughout the show um in such a way that i feel like there's a there is a little bit of curiosity around why do i think this is such a bad comic yeah. and i have to admit and we'll talk about this so i ranked it my second least favorite comic of all yeah, time I'm, it's now my third least favorite comic of all time really? because that oh, rat cj made us read marvel for our bad <laughs> I, for our bad they, comic these, patreon special that we volunteered to do mm-hmm. i do feel like that's worth noting <laughs> yes. um but i was curious to see will i despise this comic book enough or as much as I think I did, uh-huh. because it's been a few years, uh-huh. and I thought maybe I came down too hard on it. So we'll get back to that. Okay. That's going to be the last one we talk about today. And I'll be honest, normally, normally, I would say, like, listen, if you heard us talk for 20 minutes, you're probably good. That's plenty of Dave and Zach content. You're going to want to stick around to the end for this <laughs> Dazzler combo, because <laughs> I got a feeling some sparks are going to fly. All right. Yes, I, I don't know. I mean, yeah, yeah. All right. Let let we'll we'll get to it. Oh, All right. Gosh, let's... get your tea up. Speaking already. of sparks flying, <laughs> uh, Reed yeah. Richards often is an engineer and uh, welds things together. All right. We're I'm I'm rescinding your transition duties. We're on a new Fun. year. It's like 1984. It. You are off transition duties, and I'm taking back over. You did your damnedest, and it was not. Speaking enough. of transition duties, <laughs> I'm transitioning us into Fantastic Four. That was act- that was one of your better ones. I'll be <laughs> thank you. <laughs> Fantastic Four, two sixty one to two sixty two. The search for Reed Richards. Last we saw in the John Byrne written and drawn Fantastic Four, good old Reed was abducted and uh, he's missing throughout the entire Doctor Doom story that takes place in the previous issues. We now find in these issues that guess what? He's been a taken Ouch. to space. Damn it! All right, forget everything you just said. But Why? Erase the last thirty seconds. All right. No. Uh, and when you said, okay, earlier, I just thought of a good uh-huh. transition when you were like, oh, listen, this is how they work. Here, sparks fly. Speaking of sparks flying, how about that first page of Fantastic Four with Namor and Sue Storm? See, now there that is a, that's a genuinely good transition. I'm, pr- I'm proud of that one. That one works. And boys, it, it's a strong Ooh. Namor Ooh. kissing Sue, passionately, Sexy. passionately Sexy smooching Sue. And uh, there's a couple thoughts I had on this. One, it actually pays that we read Alpha Flight before this. Mm-hmm. It's the only reason it pays that we read Alpha Flight before this. Blasphemy. Because the continuity is very deliberately uh, overlapping. Yeah. Burn, yeah, yeah. Burn's own Burnverse here in Marvel. Like, mm-hmm. they just came out of the pages of Alpha Flight. The second thing is, Namor kisses her like you kiss the love of your life on at your wedding. Oh, I mean, he, he and, swoops her. Yeah, and it's 
basically just like a formal goodbye. Uh, yeah. <laughs> like, like it doesn't mean Sue's leaving Reed or anything. It's no, just like, just okay, like, see ya. Yeah, Namor, you're still a passionate man, I see. And he's just like, yeah. yes, Sue, a reminder of the life we could have had. Farewell. If an aquatic fish man <laughs> with thighs like that kissed me like that, mm-hmm. I'm I'm changing my life. I'm moving in a heartbeat. Dave, you know? Dave Moore. Dave Moore? Dave Moore the Submariner. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> atrocious okay so yes the comic does begin with an incredible uh sue and namor smooch they go to avengers mansion eventually and mm-hmm. find that uh hey guess what reed disappeared <laughs> yes yeah, Sue's like, kind of oh, we tried to call you of like hmm yeah i wonder where reed's been for the last couple of days i'm uh i i fought a couple supervillains and bought a house um oh i, I just that's actually kind of believable that she would that she'd be like oh reed's probably just in the lab like he yeah locked himself yeah in, he's been maybe. in the lab for three or days. you know he's off on an some little quest or something but um Mm -hmm. just want to point out despite john burns proclivities towards weird uh uncomfortable relationships age disparity in relationships um okay i will say i think he writes a good sue storm this is the best sue storm's ever been like i think yeah sue storm is a competent central figure here it doesn't feel like um ham-fisted like rah-rah females like it doesn't feel like that it just feels like he's writing her like she's a character you know like and I've, I've been glad when marvel has been trying to like write course and be like here's a woman in the lead but you know oftentimes it feels like they're trying hard and it, you know you feel that um this is just like so totally natural like he, she just exists on the page and is yeah you know i don't know she, she's powerful that's cool um i like you know takes the time just she's to better show, like, here certainly than the silver age oh yeah stan jack version i mean even i mean the, it, the, it's progress i wouldn't say it's progress to the degree of like burns work on doom that obviously you quite adored mm. the last few issues and i think is very yeah, good it's pretty, where it's, it's like oh this is to me it's this pretty, is a key transformative uh like decision for a character i, I hmm. don't know that sue is getting that treatment necessarily it, it almost but feels, she's definitely strong feels that to me I, i'd say so like uh, i mean this is the first time i felt like she has she's a powerhouse of her own like you know um mm-hmm. with her own standing and like i don't know and is not just the like the worried husband worried husband the worried wife and mother yeah. and i really like her i just like the little details he puts in for her you know she's about to get on silver surfer surfboard and just like <laughs> she has to casually put up her hair because she's getting on a surfboard to whiz through the air um yeah yeah like he he i don't know i mean these these are the best john byrne stories uh john byrne fantastic four we've read i think um these and, two issues yeah I, i'd say so i don't know I, I i feel like he's just been on like a very gentle upward trajectory with these stories i've really i've been really liking them yeah. more and more I, I actually really like the start to his run where he's doing those kind of one-off. Yeah, those, those are like fun. Like bottle episodes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think those are really good. Um, I, I probably, these are more important certainly because of what happens, but I don't actually like them as much. Although, I mean, a lot of huge stuff happens and they're quite good. And as we're going to get to in 262, they're like weirdly inventive. So um, in 261, the the thing that you mentioned there is Silver Surfer mm-hmm. is still with the team. And he's able to identify in Avengers Mansion. He's like, oh, that's uh, that's Galactus's calling card. The the energy signature used here, or whatever, or something cosmic, that tells them they need to go look for Reed in space. In space, rather. Um, it takes him to the blue area of the moon where they meet up with the Watcher, who's like, I, I can't, guys. I really, I shouldn't. Uh, okay, just get in my get in my jet, and we'll we'll just take a ride here. And oh, I shouldn't push this button. I'm gonna push it anyway. Okay, here we go. I'm taking you off to go find your husband. Yeah, and uh, and that leads to 
262, which is, <laughs> we should talk about this like uh, overarching. Well, hang on. Before you do the 262 thing, yeah. I do want to call out there's a there's a thing in Fantastic Four comics or, or comics that include Reed Richards mm-hmm. where he is captured and stretched out where he's just like a saggy bag of tortured reed yeah and burn does that in 261 oh yeah it's really (laughs) always that body horror always creeps me yeah it's good it's very um, very a lot it it, it always gets my attention it's the one of the earlier times i've seen it look this kind of gross uh but okay let's talk the weird and wild introduction to 26 so before we talk about the story and that it's worth mentioning that this in 1984 they did a thing called assistant editors month and we're going to cover oh, yeah. quite a few of these um, this in this year. So spe- specifically in my Zach's Choice episode coming up, I think I've got like three of them in there. Uh, and they're okay. really fun, generally. They're usually a little bit more like madcap. It's kind of just like, I don't really know what it was. It was just like the the kids got to come out and play and write an issue. Or Yeah, like, it's, it's kind of like the gloves are off. Yeah. Like, hey, like dad's out. Like, let's do something weird and wild. It's It's got that f- energy to it, yeah. which is actually very fun. I yeah, think. yeah. We're going to read some stuff later that I really like um, in this, uh, in, in that, like um, over this event. I don't know what to call it. But um, yeah, so this is the first one. This feels so. So what happens here is John Byrne is inserted into the entire issue. Right, like himself as a character, it starts out with like he ins- he inserts himself. Let's be clear. Right, exactly, and you know it's, it is it's the meta narrative of author insertion, which we've seen some of this playing around before with like Stanley and Jack Kirby, like getting you know intruded upon by Doom and the idea that like they're just writing the Fantastic Four story, but like the Fantastic Four are there in New York City and they're you know just the storytellers who uh, who like tell the world their stories. It's that idea. The Watcher shows up, grabs John Byrne, and like brings him to this shiar planet it's not the shiar who is this i don't know it's the council of aliens whatever hang Um, on hang on one second please yeah i'm assuming you can hear that banging nope i don't hear anything okay that's good it's gonna be on my recording what's going on uh my son's just banging above the room (laughs) probably jumping (laughs) off his bed von doom okay so yeah he's inserted yeah i don't know if it's actually the shiar planet yeah i don't um but the empress lalandra does show up because obviously she uh, has threatened Reed and Sue previously, saying, like, Galactus being free is on your heads, and that's that's what this is all about mm-hmm. here. Um, I wish I knew what the planet was, it's, and then this is in the wake, too, of last time we looked at Fantastic Four, I think in 257, we saw Galactus eat the Skrull throne world. So we're dealing here with the repercussions of Galactus consuming 7 billion Skrulls and their throne world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so this is the trial of Reed Richards, and they're, like, putting him on trial for being indirectly responsible for, you know, this genocide, I guess. Um, They definitely hold him fairly directly responsible. Yeah, I guess so. Like, but for your actions, Galactus would not be. Exactly. I I guess I just want to talk about John Byrne's, like, role in this before we get into the the overall plot, because he doesn't play into the plot. He's just there through the whole thing. It's just weird to me that this kind of works for me, because this usually, this, like, cutesy stuff if they're trying to get real with it and not like just have it be a fun little winking side thing usually irritates mm-hmm. me but for some reason this works i don't know i'm not sure what it is about i, this. I like this stuff a lot i um, I, like, I, I like yeah. author insertion when it's done cleverly and yeah. i i do think making john byrne the in comics universe writer and artist of the fantastic four comic which exists and the fantastic four know about right and like he's in contact i mean with he shows up occasion. and johnny storm's like <laughs> John, what are you doing here? 
Yeah, exactly. And Ben Grimm like gives him a hard time. Like he doesn't get the details right in their stories. Like that's mm-hmm. a really fun uh again, like meta narrative. And it's it's not it's not overcooked into yeah. the issue. Yes. Yeah. It's the introduction, but as you're saying, like the story still progresses where then John Byrne is like really just an observer. Yeah. You know, like just kind of happens to be yeah, there. It's a, it's a weird little side note. Like if you took hit this aspect out of it, the story would function more or less the same, right? It's mm-hmm. kind of just the narrative framing. Yeah, I, I think um oftentimes when this irritates me, it's because it feels indulgent, right? Because it feels like we're doing this and it's it is interfering with the there's no story. there's no version of this that isn't kind of self-indulgent yeah yeah a little bit but i guess um like i i don't know i've, I've read superman comics with mr mixapitalic where he's like talking to the writers and artists and they like insert a bunch of photographs of themselves and it's just like uh-huh. oh this is uh just you doing like a yearbook thing like you're just having fun with your friends and it doesn't actually it's not fun for me this is just you wink, okay. that kind of thing but i don't get that from this um i don't know i i, I liked the the framing device of him being there um, yeah, no, I, I think it's effective too. Uh, what is less effective, I would argue, is Reed's argument for <laughs> why he should not be held accountable. Okay, I'm glad uh, I'm for Galax's behavior. Glad you said that. <laughs> I, <'cause, laughs> yeah, I, I generally I like this issue. I like the overall like framing of this. I like these discussions of like talking about Galactus, but. It's cool that all alien civilizations are having this conversation, too. Yes. Like, they all gather together to be like, let's talk about the Galactus problem, right? right? It feels like it needs... Have you read 1984? Yes. Okay. So, I mean, my memory of this, and this might be different now, but when I read it when I was 18 or 19, something Mm -hmm. that, like, impressed me about that book is at the end, when the, uh, you know, the government man is, like, talking to the main character about, you know, 2 plus 2 equals 5... And he's like, no, that's absurd, of course not. And then he lays out, like, methodically and kind of, like, logical point to point. And at the end of it, you're like, oh my god, he's right. Like, 2 plus 2 does equal 5. Like, in this moral universe, what he's saying makes sense. And the scary thing is that he's convincing, right? Like, he's convincing you of this completely, you know, absurd idea. That's what this kind of needed. Like, this needed, oh, of course, like, Reed did the wrong thing. And it needed to convince us you know, like, through some kind of logic, make a convincing argument at the end that you would be like, okay, wow. But instead, the entire argument is just like, Galactus wouldn't exist if he didn't have a purpose. We just don't know what that purpose is. Everyone has the cosmic awareness that he has a purpose. It just hasn't been revealed yet. And at the end, it kind of feels like John Byrne is kicking the can down the road for a future writer to pick up. A little bit, a little bit. I hear you on that. I I think, too, to get to your 1984 analogy, the government man who shows up is Odin. (laughs) It's actually (laughs) Odin the Allfather comes in as the ringer to defend Reed. But I would say his argument is actually worse than Reed's. Because Reed's argument is what you just said. Galactus is a force of nature, Mm -hmm. and he serves a cosmic role. If we take him out of the equation, we don't know what sinister things might happen, which is really, to my knowledge, the argument that sort of is maintained. Odin, though, steps in, and he's like, no, he's a test. He comes in, and he tests planets. Um, Those that pass it are strengthened. And and basically, he's like, he's kind of going apocalypse on this. You know, survival of the fittest. And uh, this argument doesn't work for me at all, except Odin yells, put the trial to an end, so speaks Odin. Oh, yeah. And the trial ends. (laughs) No, no, no. So it works. No, they tell Odin that he he doesn't have any power here, and they they keep going. Because then the Watcher comes in and brings Galactus, right? Because Galactus comes after Odin, and this leads to, like, one of my favorite pages ever, 
like a page that was seared in my memory from the first time I read this, which is Galactus when he first gets there, you know, and this is a trial, the the entire audience and jury and like everyone watching this are all like the survivors of races that have been destroyed by Galactus, right? So these are all people who were traumatized by Galactus and despise Galactus. And he shows up and has this amazing page where it shows that like, Galactus is this cosmic entity. He's not like a big human man. He is like beyond, you know, any sort of like set physicality. And he appears to each mm-hmm. race as, you know, as something different. I love that detail. Yeah, that's awesome. Even even if that doesn't that's make sense, idea. like it doesn't really make sense. There's stuff that we've seen that like flies in the face of that um, in the past. But like, I don't care. It's very cool. No, I love that idea. Yeah. And, and that idea sticks. My favorite moment when he shows up is... The weird little alien with a jetpack and a gun who says, I've been waiting my whole life since he destroyed my planet and my people to get revenge on Galactus. Mm -hmm. And he flies up this little pest in Galactus's ear. But then he has this whole internal monologue about like, if I extend, like if I attack him, it might cause a chain reaction that'll unleash energies across the cosmos. And then he backs out and doesn't shoot him. We get this whole, we get this guy's whole life story in like, six panels yeah. as like a yeah, as great. like an aside it's really fun yeah, it's a little fun detail little yep yeah i agree um i don't know i may i might be slightly more positive on this than you but i i uh, i do agree that like oh it's good i just don't the, it's good i just don't think it's burns best fantastic four work no, i do also yeah. think reed's reed can't help himself but condemn the scrolls oh, yeah, in the I face of their that. seven billion people genocide every that, speech yeah. he gives throws in the the scrolls the most evil of as species. evil a race as anyone knows like, have, it's like you read the brood yet right like <laughs> like yeah they, yeah they, my god i mean they have like families and culture right like we've seen it well and there's nothing <laughs> like there's nothing actually that's not even i was gonna say there's nothing in marvel comics that tells us otherwise right now that's not true we've seen a lot of like not evil scrolls yeah, exactly um the fantastic four have dealt with many of them so for him to say that is a weird like I, th- yeah, it's it's a terrible look, uh, especially again. You're at the trial of their people having been wiped out. Come on, man. Yeah. Come on. Yeah, yeah. All right. So these are these are definite must reads. Um, oh, for super sure. important yeah. in in the cosmic scheme of things. Again, like the fact that Galactus eats Throne World uh, has ramifications for all of Marvel. Cool. Cosmic forever. Cool. Because like this feels like that thing keeps big coming. and important and well laid out. Right? Like I, I do like the work that Burns yeah. doing where like this all feels super grounded in like established lore kind of without, you know, like uh, I mean, as opposed to like the Kree Skrull War where I feel like a million things happened and I don't remember any of it, <laughs> you know, like none of it seemed important because yeah. it all just was like so overblown and rushed because um, I know like. Well, Kree- and certainly credit. Oh, go on. Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, I know Kree Skrull War stuff comes back later and it's just like, well. I'll have mm-hmm. to read the uh, the editorial notes because I, you know, already forgot what happened there. That's a good point. I I think credit to Burn on the pacing because the mm-hmm. search for Reed Richards could have been like a ten issue story arc if you wanted it to be. It could have been the Fantastic Four in space forever while Reed is in prison mm-hmm. and then going through his trial. Right, like this story could have dragged on for a long time. He knocks it out in two issues and it's concise. It's to the point. It it gets to the issue, um, and then we're going to be back in in New York for the Fantastic Four moving forward. So I yeah, it's good stuff. Um, not as good, I would say, hmm. as the second half of Amazing Spider-Man number 248, The Kid Who Collects Spider-Man. But there is a front half to this. So, I mean, in the reading order, I've, you know, considered calling out, like, you really don't have to read the first half. Oh, I like, Did you read the first yeah, half? Yeah, I like that Riker story, though. That was fun. Yeah, yeah, it's, it was, it's fun it was enough. pretty fun, yeah. 
So the first half is called And He Strikes Like a Thunderball. It's a Spider-Man versus Thunderball of the Wrecking Crew battle. Uh, and it's by Roger Stern, John Romita Jr. And we've got um, some various credits here. Brett Breeding on inks, Bob Sharon on colors, Diana Elbers on letters. And uh, it, what what did you like about this issue? The Wrecking Crew one or the... The Wrecking Crew. Oh, um, I don't know. Like, uh, it's just good Spidey action. Right, like it's yeah, yeah. I think it was just a very solid, like, well-paced, well, ex- like, expressed action that uh, kept doing like creative stuff. Right, like it moved things around. Like Spider-Man gets the uh, the crowbar, which is fun, but it doesn't like quite work for him. But he still can smack someone around with it. Um, yeah. So Thunderball's strength here is doubled uh, because he has the Wrecker's crowbar. Right. So he's got his ball and chain and Wrecker's crowbar, which is enchanted, I think, by the Norns. Yes. Yeah. Asgard. Uh, and um, and Spider-Man kind of recognizes, like, this is a power level um, that I might not be capable to deal with. So his first action is actually to, like, call the Avengers uh, or the police, which I always love. Mm-hmm. I love yeah. when Spidey, like, recognizes... Like, I need help, and he turns and tries to call in more heroes. That's just a really nice touch. I think Marvel Universe connections. Um, but yeah, otherwise, it's just a kind of a classic, like, Spidey's overpowered, but he still has to deal with it. There's nobody else. It's not as good as, like, Nothing Stops the Juggernaut, another Stern and Romita Jr. Yeah. issue. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it's a similar style, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's not particularly memorable. I, I mean, I, I do love the moment where uh, it's got two really fun moments. One, he, the Thunderbolt? Thunderball. Thunderball throws the uh throws his like ball and chain at Spider-Man and Spider-Man just grabs it as it goes by (laughs) and just goes flying off because uh it weighs way more than him and then the second thing their fight ends up on the interstate causes a big traffic jam eventually he defeats Thunderball and then people rush up and he's expecting congratulations they're all just mad at him for uh like backing up traffic which is yeah a very good good, like a good Spider-Man ending you know can't win um totally totally then that moves into the classic the kid who likes spider-man story what's it called the kid who collects spider-man <laughs> the child the child kid who collects spider-man yeah the kid who collects Spider-Man. have you read this before yeah a couple times i mean it's kind of yeah. up there with like best single issues of all time well and you know what i realized i knew i'd like i know it's good it's written by roger stern mm-hmm. art here by ron friends who we haven't seen a ton of but is going to be a big name in spidey for a good long time yeah. uh inks by terry austin and um i realized too why this is such an easy go-to recommendation for like early spidey stories to read for anybody mm-hmm. is because it also does the spidey the recap, recap. Yeah. it also does the spidey origin recap <laughs> yeah. you know like this is everything it, it really is like almost everything you need to know about spider-man in a nutshell like if you were going to fast track a spider-man read to five issues mm-hmm. you could do amazing spider-man 248 first and then throw in like like 39 40 like goblin stuff mm-hmm. maybe gwen stacy 121 and and what am i missing you know like that we've gotten to yet. Yeah. Gwen, like those, Gwen Stacy like that's basically origin, yeah. this is Spider Man's story. Right. Yeah. yeah. Uh yeah, it's good. Um I might not be as hot on it as the rest of the world. This, this is what I'm saying. I think this uh this whole episode, like, I'm a little hotter than you on the stuff you don't like and I'm a little colder than the stuff you probably really like. Like I uh Sounds like you're a nice lukewarm bath. Yeah, I know. It's, it's just it's, let's all step in Zach's lukewarm yeah, bath. It's not for a it's moment. not very exciting, but like, yeah, I don't know. A lot of comics are just okay. <laughs> you know like it's fine it's uh i i can see why i would say th- this is better than okay yeah no this is definitely above average i can just i can see why this is a popular pick right like it immediately is i don't know i to me it's a little like mawkish you know like it, mawkish yeah like sentimental like over sentimental um i mean it's intentionally so yeah but i mean that i it, i think it's cloying to a degree uh 
I think the the little reveal at the end where it's like little Timmy has leukemia and only five weeks to live that like kind of ruins this for me <laughs> like because two reasons I think it'd be better for you if it was just Spider-Man and, being nice and visiting a kid exactly yeah because I think that is just like a cheap uh, manipulative yeah. sentimental ploy also uh, I mean it, it also eliminates the whole need to deal with the fact that he reveals his identity and like tells him everything about like he takes off his mask and it's like I'm Peter Parker photographer for the bugle um, uh-huh. and then you know it's like oh he revealed his identity wow you don't have to worry about it the kid will be dead soon which gave me the thought of like I can imagine a world like in a um, like a Garth Enos written superhero thing where like you have a, a mm-hmm. really messed up like really messed up superhero who gets off on like revealing his secret identity to kids but just goes and like does this to uh, you know like he just wants to, uh, you know, like thrill kids with his secret identity, but he only tells dying kids because he knows, like, there's a, uh, there's no chance. That sounds, <laughs> that sounds like a pitch you should send to Mr. Mark Millar. Yeah, exactly. I was as, just uh, thinking that, like, recording. Yeah, knowing knowing that ahead of time, you're just like, well, this is pretty cynical of you, Spider Man, like that you can tell him your identity because you know that he's. Got... <laughs> it doesn't. The comic does not no, have no, that it, feel it, at all. No, it doesn't. I I hear what you're I'm, saying, I'm, but the comic does not come no, off that I'm way. Kidding. I mean, it is it is heart on its sleeve. Yeah sentimentality like it is earnest and then some i think in what it's trying to do i i do think too the so spider-man goes and visits this little boy tim hunter like his biggest uh, who collects all sorts of spider-man memorabilia and he has a nice conversation with him they laugh about j jonah jameson the times he's punked him as he's kind of leaving he does reveal his identity because tim asks him and at the very end you know the reveal is why okay why you know was he visiting tim it's because the kid has Leukemia, and he's got five weeks to live. Mm-hmm. That actually does justify an in-story narrative, like the way the information is conveyed, which is the newspaper article. Because why would there be an, a newspaper article about this boy, <laughs> like True, Spider-Man, yeah. but for the the tragic circumstances? Yeah. Right? right. So I think there's also like a rationale for it in that sense. Mm-hmm. Um, it's emotional. I, I don't think it's... I don't know. Again, it's like it's a short story, so you're yeah. dealing with a very limited space. It's not like we can build up a lot of affection for Tim beyond these twelve pages. You know, it's not like we've had issues and issues where we're like, "I love this kid" or anything like that. So it has to move fast, and I think some of that comes across as it could feel ham-fisted. I suppose. Yeah. Um, I think it's quite well done. I, th- I think it's really good. I think it's I. I mean, like on a what do I want to read again level. You know, it's going to be something like Stern and Romita Jr., you know, Nothing Stops a Juggernaut, because that's fun, and this is heartbreaking. <laughs> and I, you know, like, wow. so you don't like, it, often it want to feel sad. to me. It feels, I don't know. I get to that end, and I'm just like, I don't know, it feels obvious to me. Um, I mean, maybe, uh, maybe I'm just a little cynical. Yeah, like, I mean... It doesn't, it doesn't particularly, like, t- it feels very hallmarky to me. In a way that, again, if this kid was not dying, I think this would be more effective. Like, I'm into the idea of just Spider-Man, like, you know giving a kid a great day who like adores him right it even could be like i like that too a lot i mean that's that's one of my favorite things about spider-man is him taking the time to do those things i do think friends art sells the emotional toll this is having on spider-man in such a way that i i do think it's less cheesy than you're describing it. I mean, like, he, you know, it begins with him being playful, and he's Spider-Man, and he's quippy. Um, and as the story progresses, there's clearly a weight on what he knows about what Tim's going through. And, you know, there's a hesitancy. Like, when he asks him to take off his mask, Spider-Man says, no, I can't do that. Like, his initial reaction is no way. Um, but then he kind of reconsiders, you mm-hmm. know, because of the circumstances. Yeah. So I I think it sells it 
stronger than just kind of because I can see what you're saying about like this could feel very cheap. I don't think it does. Um, and I think that's why it, it works. I mean, I, you know, when I said heartbreaking, that's what the the story is playing with. I, d- I don't actually wind up in tears by the end of this. Mm-hmm. You know, like it doesn't it doesn't hit quite that hard. It's not Astro City one and a half mm-hmm. that I literally could not read without yeah. bawling. Um, but, I sh- you know, I should make a let's see. All right. Off the top of my head. Comics that make me cry list. Mm. Astro City one half. Uh, the Fantastic Four issue of <laughs> where one. Which I won't say because that'd be a spoiler, and <laughs> okay. uh, also <laughs> gonna have to blank another that Fantastic Four issue in the Wade will Ringo run when a <laughs> <laughs> so mostly mostly huh. is my off the top of my head comics. Mi- Mister Miracle is the only thing I can think of that like comes to mind recently. That, that the King and and Draz run. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That uh, that that had me had me a little uh, misty. Good, good comic. on the on the live Twitch. No, no, I was reading it. Uh, that, that time I, I kept up my cool, steely yeah. demeanor that everyone knows on this uh, this podcast, where I laugh at the, yeah. the, the little Timmy that nice... collecting Spider-Man, and, uh, yeah, and geez, think that this whole thing is a monster. ploy for Spider-Man just to get off and telling dead kids that he's Peter Parker. Yeah, shows yeah. which one of us has a heart, <laughs> I suppose. Yeah, I, I mean, right. also, I, I probably like this more the first time I read it, or even the second time. It's just like, knowing this, I, I don't know, I, I think... Uh, it's not super rereadable no, as a result no, of that. No. I mean, so that that could affect my you know judgment of it. I, I think it's probably you know a little bit subjective about how uh, how cynical you are about this stuff as well. So I think I think it's well done ish. Yeah, no, you're like a big cynic, and uh, yeah. I'm a cool emotional guy. And speaking of cool emotional guys, uh, the kingpin, he's so cool. He's so cool. Oh <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, I love the kingpin. <laughs> I really like the kingpin. Yeah, that was uh, we're talking one. Amazing Spider-Man two forty nine to two fifty one. This is a connected Return of Hobgoblin story. But the best part for my money that this uh, this sequence introduces is the kingpin Hobgoblin relationship, mm-hmm. and also kingpin pulling like the same trick he pulls on Daredevil on Spider-Man. Yeah, basically yeah, saying you do my work for me and. I'm not gonna like do the weird supervillain thing you think I'm gonna do. You just keep taking out the bad guys, and they could be a problem for me. So cool, you're working for me now, Spider-Man. I love it's it. Awesome. Yeah, I mean, I love it. Yeah, Spider-Man basically gets put on the task of taking out Hobgoblin for the Kingpin, and it's like, what's he gonna do? Not take out Hobgoblin? <laughs> you know, like right? He's in that impossible position. Uh, yeah, I love it. Um, I mean, it, these even- issues are Roger Stern, John Romita Jr. We got inks by Dan Green. Um, what did you have any? change of heart about the hobgoblin over these three issues uh he's okay here i i think i liked him here more than i did the first time we read him um, i think i would agree i, yeah, I think these three issues are a little bit better that interesting but like what he's doing i actually kind of feel like we read the same thing didn't the green goblin do this same exact thing like blackmail everybody at a at their fancy supper club i feel like we read i mean this exact that's kind of the, that's kind of the point that's kind of the point okay. it's like hobgoblins hitting all the goblin beats yeah and not only is he hitting all the goblin beats, but he's going into the goblin past, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So, like, he blackmails all the members of Norman Osborn's supper club um, with some secrets that he gets from Norman Osborn's lab. Yeah. So, like, really what Hobgoblin's doing is he's playing Norman's greatest hits, mm-hmm. you know, back at Spider-Man. Um, so he, he convinces all these people he's blackmailed, including Norman's son, Harry Osborn, and says, and I think, what's his blackmail of, of Harry? Is it that your dad was Norman, that your yeah, dad was exactly. uh, yeah. Green Goblin? Yep. Yeah. So, which Harry does not know. Right. That, I mean, that's the most interesting time. part of it is that, like, this is the reveal to Harry Osborn about Norman. Which he 
still is like, is this true? Right? Like, it's not, you know, it's not like Hobgoblin presents him with, like, irrefutable evidence, I don't think. Yeah. Uh, no, I, th- I um, think at the end he's pretty accepting of it. He has that conversation is, with... Is he pretty... Yeah, he has a conversation with Peter Parker, like, what do I do with this information? Like, how do I... Like, how do I move on? I used to respect my father, and now I found out that he's this, you know, maniac and killer. And, yeah, Peter just tells yeah. him, like, you know, you just have to live and move on and live your own life and be a good person, and it doesn't reflect on you, etc. Yeah. yeah, yeah, right. And uh, Hobgoblin blackmails all these people to gather at Norman's Supper Club, including the Kingpin, Wilson Fisk. And and we've probably seen this before, but Harry's like, oh, it's that, uh, you know, shipping magnate, Wilson Fisk, mm-hmm. you know? So, yeah. like, the... The he's the kingpin of crime part of this is still kind of like that, that's a fun under wraps. I, I like that bit, detail. I guess at yeah. least in Harry's mind. Yeah, I like the detail yeah. of like that. Not everyone knows that. Some people are just like, oh yeah, big businessman uh, Wilson Fisk. I heard he's into some shady stuff. Maybe you know, like that. That's yeah. not public knowledge that he's a you know a criminal. Yeah. Besides right. I that, think that it's works. like um, you know, it's, it's the hobgoblins blackmailing everybody. Spider-Man has to go stop him and find him. He sprays him with no Spidey Sense spray. Well, I mean, the, I get so Convenient spray to have. They should definitely be using that more. The idea that Spider-Man isn't always having, like, an N95 under his mask is <laughs> just absurd. Like, yeah, it's so frustrating. That That is, like, his one real weakness is that he just continually gets dosed with, uh, with some kind of gas. Um, it happens other, a ton. The other really interesting thing here is that J. Jonah Jameson is being blackmailed with the fact that he created the Scorpion, right? Like he funded oh, yeah. the research. I I really like this because J. Jonah. Jameson, Not to mention the Spider Slayers. You could have gone even harder on J. 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 for <laughs> yeah. all of these supervillains. Did, did we read those, or did I just read them on myself? Read them myself. Uh, I, I doubt we read. I don't think we read the good J. 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 Fun supervillains as part of the reading list Not in the, the MMY club. Slayer that ones. said, all of Amazing Spider-Man was recommended, so yeah, yeah. true MMYers have read them. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I like this because, like, it feels very true to JJJ's character that he's going to be totally inflexible about this and, like, have his own little, you know, he's got his own sense of honor and uh, ethics here where he's just like, I'm not going to be blackmailed. I'm going to, you know, I'd rather destroy my own career and, like, go out like a man than, you know, be, like, shamed into hiding in the the shadows about this. And writes writes an editorial that, like, reveals what he did and, like, confesses and he... uh, resigns his job and spider-man's like no you don't have to do that like you're a big hypocrite but like you know fine like <laughs> i will you know i'll help you out of this and J. jonah jameson publishes it anyway right like the the guilt and he decides this is like the moment he just needs to come clean and do this mm-hmm. um i love that i think that's great uh, i don't know if it fundamentally well what he what he publishes is his resignation exactly yeah yeah he resigns from the daily bugle and uh, robbie robertson's gonna take over i i always like spider-man's willingness to do the right thing and to help people mm-hmm. i actually do it kind of does bother me that he would help jay jonah jameson oh, at really? this point in time yeah <laughs> a little bit yeah it's kind of the same vibe i get like when he's friendly with flash um although that is different you know like they he kind of like comes i mean because you're notoriously someone who pals you know like likes to fight your bullies right like when someone bullies you, you know, you never... If someone never bullied you go. a number of years ago, my thing is never let it go. Dox Build up dox your strength. Them now. <laughs> find <laughs> them years later and challenge them to a arm wrestling contest. Yeah, just this is just wins. an FYI to anyone who uh, who's ever thinking about sending a, an email in to Dave at comicbookherald.com being like, mm-hmm. uh, excuse me, sir, but you're... Uh, your Wonder Woman reading order is missing these integral stories. You call yourself a comics book man? Because hey, were you reading Dave, my emails today? <laughs> Dave will swat you. Um, he is 
I didn't will. say I'd swat you. I said I'd challenge you to an arm wrestling contest. Well, he also does what happens of, from there is a lot of swatting <laughs> coming from the comic book heralds. I might not understand what arm wrestling contests are supposed to be. <laughs> My mine is kind of just swatting at your arms like furiously uh, that, over and over again. It's pretty funny. I maybe I maybe I just got wrong what that how that's supposed Speak, to play. Speaking out. of which, the reason I said Wonder Woman reading order is because on comicbookherald.com today, a new Wonder Woman reading order is published with over forty new stories. It's not new. It's the same well, one, yeah, but, but it's, it's updated, updated with over 40 It's really stories. good. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks so for the you, call out. That work is done by a My Marvelous Year uh, contributor. Yeah. The uh, I, I mean, the reading orders are great if you're looking for those specifically, but uh, I, I got to point out these, uh, the Wonder Woman Historia that uh, Ritesh Babu has been writing. Yeah. Ooh, so yeah. good. You have like genuinely <laughs> some really good writing on your website because I think, you know, I think for a lot of people, Comic Book Herald is like the reading order site. Um but I think uh-huh. it is worth pointing out to our fans that this uh, this Wonder Woman history is excellent. I've been reading each, like, Thank you. every time this comes out. You didn't write it. Don't. Thank <laughs> <laughs> you. <laughs> yeah. No, it's, it's really good. Thing, I so. Full credit to, to Ritesh Babu. He is an incredible writer. Yeah, yeah. And Historia is, I've said this elsewhere, but it is my favorite thing to read right now. Yeah. Now, I read it and edit it. But it's like my favorite comics thing to read. Yeah, uh, even if you don't like Wonder Woman that much or don't think you do, it's about history of comics, history of DC God, comics, can I just, it's all interwoven is, in there. Is, it's great. Because we don't have that much more to, to go into. Just a little uh, diversion. I was reading Wonder Woman number one yesterday from 1942. An absolutely okay. insane comic. Have you read this? The Golden Age Wonder Woman is awesome, it's, for the record. Like, it's funny because as you know, like an enormous George Perez Wonder Woman fan. It's funny seeing all the stuff. The biggest I know, literally. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I adore that comic. Height and fandom. Bite and fandom? Height. Oh, oh, thank you. Thank you for calling me tall. It's not a compliment. You're just tall. <laughs> no, that's, that's the nicest <laughs> thing you could say to me. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's a big fan of that. It's fun seeing the ways that George Perez, like, folded in a lot of the stuff from that while also, like, totally reconfiguring it. Yeah. But... Yeah. Also, there's a lot of really crazy stuff in the original Wonder Woman, like the fact that on, um, oh god, what's the island called? I can never remember. Um, Themyscira. Yeah, Themyscira. They don't have horses, they have kangaroos. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so There's just, like, right. a gladiator arena of all the, like, you know, all the Amazons, but they're riding kangaroos, and the, she has an invisible yeah. jet for no reason. She is also a scientist who just, like, Steve Trevor just dies in the first issue, and she's just like yeah. to the lab, it's amazing. and she creates a uh, like a heat lamp with purple radiation. So the purple ray to life. Yeah. It's amazing. There's so many weird details, but then there's also a ton of stuff. All right, if like, you guys want to read Golden Age Wonder Woman, which I immediately want to reread oh, because fun, just hearing yeah. about it makes me think how awesome it is. My DC year. We let's make it happen. Oh yeah, head on over to Patreon.com/slash/MyMarvelousYear, <laughs> and uh, and we'll we'll get there one day. That is yep. that is the dream. Okay, but, okay. Yes. Yeah. Let's get back to tomorrow. That's all fun. That's all well and good. Uh, the only things I want to say about the ending of this mm-hmm. Amazing Spider-Man Hobgoblin sequence is the Hobgoblin shtick of always dying in the stories he shows up in. But yeah. was it really him? And is this the real Hobgoblin? Is it's gonna get grating? <laughs> oh, oh! It keeps. I kind of like it, just wore, but it's gonna get grating. This is about where it wore thin for me, where I was just like, oh, I don't. I don't think I care anymore. <laughs> At the end, when it was like his mask yeah. washed up on the beach or whatever, and they, you know, he, he finds his mask, but the body is gone. I was just like, eh, I don't care enough to to follow through with this anymore. Like, tell me who it is or don't. Just just pick one. You know, like I I don't really care because also it's just like 
who's it gonna be it's not I, I feel like this is one of those things where like with the stan and jack green goblin norman osborne thing like i don't think they knew it was gonna be norman osborne right from the beginning and it kind of yeah. felt like they were like okay who's it gonna be all right norman osborne right we'll introduce him and then it will be the green goblin right I, it, it almost certainly has to be something like that right where it's gonna be like they're gonna introduce some guy and then two issues later we uh, find out it's the, the yeah goblin. well you'll see yeah i guess so um um You'll see. It, it, we'll we'll read a little yeah, bit on that. These are okay though. Like forward. I, I think the uh, the little chase at the end where he's uh he's on the tank that he's driving was pretty fun. Um, yeah, it's okay. I think he's fine. I I do want to call it too. Two fifty one is actually kind of important in in the creative credits because it's the little changing of the guard where we have uh, Tom DeFalco taking over as scripter. It's mm-hmm. still a Roger Stern credited plot, mm-hmm. but we have DeFalco as scripter and a penciler here is Ron Friends with inks Ooh, by Klaus, Klaus Jansen. Jansen. I saw it, that. Heavy Klaus Jansen vibes yeah. in this book, which he's on the book. I think um, uh, with DeFalco and Friends are going to be on Spider-Man for a long time. Friends knows... Uh, Friends, Friends's individual panels are pretty good. I don't know if he has the best control over like overarching panel layout like page to page. Like, there's a lot of pages where I was just like, these are all separate scenes, and they don't, like, have a nice natural flow to them. Um, it wasn't, like, totally jarring, but it was just something I noticed. Like, sometimes the, um, you know, like, the, the camera cuts and the editing didn't feel like a natural story progression. I, I oscillate on how much that matters. I mean, it, it really depends on the artist. No, I, I mean, the thing is, like, the, the story still flowed smoothly, but, like, when you compare it, I mean, when you compare it to, like, Miller's Daredevil, we were just, like where it just feels so seamless and natural, like panel to panel, page to page, you were just like carried along that s- story and it just feels there's yeah. no friction whatsoever. I mean, that that's kind of, that, this is the word I use because it's just like compared to like a Roy Thomas comic where I just feel a maximum amount of friction. <laughs> you know, I feel like I have to like be pushing my way through those comics instead of like... And everybody playing at home for the Zach's digs on Roy Thomas without him being relevant in the discussion, take a shot! Time for your RT Speaking shot of, of the day. Speaking of comics without much friction. Oh God, never mind. I changed. Speaking of comics with too much friction. I was gonna say. I think is what you the mean fri- to say. The friction that I was just speaking to, where a comic like you know whether or not it just carries you through. I'm gonna uh-huh. I'm gonna come out strong right at the beginning. Dazzler of the movie, the graphic novel, is 72 pages. Uh-huh. Doesn't feel like uh-huh. it. I read the whole thing in like <laughs> 25 minutes, and it it was like a totally like it went down real easy. Like I I just it went down easy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it is it a went very, down it is easy. A very easy comic to read. Like much like you know, when, in that we the talk, reading level is like second grade. In that you know, like when we talk about Brian Michael Bendis and Bagley's Ultimate Spider-Man, where you're just like good or bad, right? Whether or not you like the story or art or whatever, mm-hmm. right? Like you just read six of these like nothing, right? Like they clearly it are took me of the four days. It took me four days to finish this graphic. <laughs> yeah, novel. so le- I'd tell, like to be clear that the best one. thing. Yeah. The best thing about Dazzler the movie is the cover before you've turned a single Ooh, yeah, page. Yeah, that cover is good. If you turn the cover, you've lost. No, you've already first, lost. But if you keep it at the cover, no, the you're doing fine. Great. I really it's like the first page. Dazzler the movie cover by Bill Sienkiewicz. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, is that? I didn't naturally, know that. It yeah, looks it's, awesome. It's excellent. Yeah. It looks like a movie poster. Mm-hmm. And uh, actually, Sienkiewicz did covers, I think, for like... Like a bunch of Dazzler comics, I think I want to say like twenty-seven to thirty. Oh yeah, you're right. Earlier. Yeah, I didn't I didn't think of that, but um, yeah. All right, so why slipped your mind. is this your third least favorite comic? Okay, make your case. Okay, let's start there. So upon reading it again, mm-hmm. I actually feel I again like I was a little concerned. Maybe I was too hard on it. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's just fine. Yeah. No, it is atrocious. <laughs> it is absolutely horrible. Okay. 
Uh, it is, there are two things. So let, let's talk credits here. I guess infamous credits. Mm-hmm. Jim Shooter mm-hmm. is the writer. Frank Springer on pencils. Vince Coletta on inks. Christy Shealy on colors. Letters by John Morelli. Most of my damnation here, mm-hmm. 98% mm-hmm. is for Jim. Yes. It's for Jim. Yes. Okay, so let's be clear. 100%. It's about the story. <laughs> yeah. I think the art and the inks are at times good. Yeah. Um, I think Springer and Coletta, they I think the ink, they the deliver the, the story that was given to them. Good. Yeah. Yeah, I really yeah. I really like, like it is the again, these Marvel graphic novels are supposed to be of a prestige variety. Mm-hmm. They're supposed to look nicer. Yep. This is certainly on par with the other ones we've read so far, a la God Loves Man Kills, which obviously I love by comparison to this, right? So mm-hmm. yeah. art wise, I don't think it's like you know, and like when the X Men show up in a little cameo. They look good. Yeah. Those are actually fun scenes. Like Storm lounging on a couch while the X-Men stand in uniform behind her is like a fun little character moment where you actually get to see the inside of the mansion. Okay. Jim Shooter, though, there are two things he should not be allowed to write. Women. One. <laughs> one is women. Half the of, first is half women. Of the population. He should just should be barred from. The second there. thing is romance. Okay. Uh-huh. These two oh, concepts. Well, I mean, in, in Jim Shooter's mind, he does not grasp that's the same thing, right? Like, you don't write a fe- a woman in a comic without it being romance. I don't know if that's fair, but that's yeah, that's what this feels. Perhaps like. that is yeah. perhaps that is the problem. Yeah. And I've I've said this before a lot. Like, Jim Shooter is a very complicated figure uh, in comics. He's the editor in chief mm-hmm. of Marvel during this incredible run of books. Like, I think if I'm picking arrows of Marvel that are absolutely at the top of my favorites, Jim. Shooter's editorial reign as editor-in-chief is among the top, right? So you have to give some credit there. You have to give some credit there. Um, He also writes and plots Secret Wars, which we're going to talk about in one episode. And obviously, as we've talked about a ton on My Marvelous Year, I love Secret Wars. It's super fun. Uh, So, And and I really like his work in the Valiant Comics universe. I think Solar Man of the Atom. Well, that'd be the one thing I would say is not good. Um, But in Solar Man of the Atom... (laughs) Yeah, it, it's fun. It's good. He has he can do good big comic book stories. He cannot, for the life of him, write women in romance. He is just like it's it's appalling how how clueless yeah. he is. We talked about his role in Avengers number two hundred, mm-hmm. which is the Carol Danvers was um what is what even is the terminology? Let's just say sexually assaulted and impregnated. Yep. Of uh, without consent. Yep. Right. Um. It, there was a I think at the time we were like this is terrible and I hate it, and it's confusing, there's a chance that the writers and creators here kind of didn't know what they were doing. Yeah, they're like, there's a, there's a, a weird a, sci-fi story, but they, like, maybe didn't consider the implications of what that meant, you know, but yeah, if you're trying to be generous, I mean, that doesn't really excuse it, but you could try to be generous about their, you know, like yes. their role in it. and I think that was us trying to be generous. I think yeah. with Desert the movie, you have to look at it and say, oh, no, this is just how he sees any romance. Like his his sensibilities when it comes to written <laughs> romance is to do these insane, completely unnecessary, um, gross actions, right? And before I think too, like the word problematic gets overused to describe as sort of a a way to talk around without articulating things that we know to be offensive, uh-huh. like things that we know will offend people, um, and would get called out on Twitter very hard in 2020. It, it, the label problematic gets used a lot, right? Shooter's writing is incredibly problematic, but I think it's important to articulate specifically why that is the case with Dazzler the movie, you know, as opposed to just leaving it at that. 
just it's like just leaving it at oh well the way he writes Dazzler is you know the romance is a little problematic that's that's underselling it like how bad storytelling okay let, is. Let, let, let's actually explain what happens because if you, no the thing is Dazzler the movie is not a Marvel Unlimited you have to go pay four bucks on Comixology if you want to read it oh yeah I think both well, of you got it saying, for four bucks yeah it, I missed the sale oh I got it for 99 cents it I know must have been I, a sale I said thank that goodness. I said that on the show I was like hey it's 99 cents and then when I went it was four bucks which is weird which, it, that's was, a, it was you on can buy sale a whole new comic whenever they get ago. released again yeah um yeah I mean what happens is there's like Dazzler is trying to you know she wants to become a star there's a Harvey Weinstein-esque figure here like a it's a real casting couch-ish situation. Like, hey, baby, I'll make you a star. I'm not used to being turned down by women. This actor pursuing her, like, promising her this, you know, he's, like, clearly a well, womanizer. Well, let's not, let's not conflate the two characters because already you've skipped over... So there's two men who yeah. sexually harass Dazzler in this. And the thing Alice is... Blair. Okay. They're so the my, same guy. Yeah, yeah. My, my, my arc <laughs> like, with I this genuinely comic, didn't know they were different guys for most of the book. My arc with this comic was like, oh, I kind of like the art. Okay, Dazzler's kind of an interesting character. This is moving along well. I think this is actually pretty mm-hmm. well written. Because um, I think, you know what? Hang on, hang on, hang I on. I think Jim Shooter writes... The words you just said yeah. are incorrect. No, no. It, it is well written? Yeah. In what context? In, like, his actual prose, I think he's a pretty good writer as far as, like, writing conversation and pacing. I think the content of his writing is... Ba- mm. I mean, it's kind of appalling, <laughs> right? But I think he uh, yeah. he's a competent writer, right? Like, like I said... He can be. This is 72 be. pages, and it like it kind of flew by for me. Like I hate comics that are like 35 pages. I'm usually like miserable trying to like push my way through them. I thought this like went down pretty easy. Okay, I, I, in that regard, yeah, in yeah. that it's not no, so but, dense. I can see it. Right. I think I think he knows how to like write a conversation that like kind of na- naturally bounces. He has an ear for dialogue. And what happens is like Dazzler. You know, I'm reading it. Dazzler is an interesting enough character. She's getting harassed by some guy, but she's clearly like shooting him down. And it's like okay. It's pretty clear this guy's a bad guy. She's not going to, So you know. let's, let's talk about the way then, flowing off what you're saying, let's talk about the way you would expect this comic to play out, which I think is what you're getting to. Right. Which is Dazzler's a mutant in this book. Um, her powers is basically, we've, we have seen her. We saw her in Dark Phoenix Saga. She actually shows up in Uncanny X-Men and her mutant power. She's out in the world like as a pop star or is trying to become a music star. And uh, she can make like big light shows, essentially. She has the power of like big glowing light, and it can be used kind of like as light beams, right? To yeah. shoot things. Which I think when is we open this, she's fun. teaching an aerobics class. Like she's trying to make ends meet, yeah. right? She is not a star, right? And that is her dream, but kind of the arc of this story is her wanting to become, to make it big in Hollywood or as a singer or whatever, right? And the first guy who comes up and says, hey, like the first thing he says to her in her aerobics class is, hey, I think you're incredibly sexy. Big, big, strong lead, yeah. right, by uh, by Mr. Eric Beal there. And Dazzler is, she, you know, puts him off, right? And then he tries to ask her out later. You know, he she says, no, this this cute kind of shy boy asked me out. Um, you take this huge heavy weight and he can't lift it, right? So it's like, okay, the comic is giving comeuppance quickly to the creepy guys, right? Sure. Right. Then, enter second well, your expectation, yeah. enter second creepy guy, you think the same thing's going to happen again. Yes. It does not. <laughs> he but right? but this guy is more creepier is roman roman something i can't remember his last name roman who they Nicabo. show as like at least the other guy was handsome <laughs> this guy is like portrayed as i mean he's portrayed as like middle-aged he's like middle-aged pudgy he is bald and wears toupees and also has dentures that's a weird detail because it's like you kind of get yeah. the vibe that he's like 45 50 but he 
has dentures. Um, it's all the details you would put on somebody if you were intentionally making them schlubby and unattractive. Right, which, you right? Know, I mean, that's still, Over like, the kind of a gross story to do. But the worst part is he just, like, he breaks into her apartment, you know, then tries to... He's a, he's a movie producer, we should mention yeah, as well. Yeah. He is a man with connections and means, which becomes really relevant. Right. <laughs> like, breaks into the her apartment, like, pins her down to smooch her, tells her, like, if you're not going to melt in my arms, sweetheart, at least start, stop wiggling. You know, she... He pushes her through a table into her apartment, which he broke into. Yes. That continues and, on, and, like... I mean, the, more or less tries to assault he's... her. He's chasing her around for days, you know, like wolf whistling or chasing her down the street, pretending to have a heart attack. So she'll be like, you know, play to her sympathies. So she's like, oh, are you OK? And then he's just like, oh, so that's you, his move. That's so his move care, that gets sweetheart. him in. Like, it is. It he is fakes a heart attack. I mean, it's all pickup artist stuff. <laughs> Genuinely, like it is all no, like it's not breaking into someone's apartment is not pickup artist stuff. Oh, it is. If you're doing it wrong. Right. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, those those guys are creepy. Uh, I missed that episode of the the guy with the top hat. Was that wasn't that show just called the Pickup Artist? I have no you idea. You know what I'm talking about? I don't know. It isn't. A, it's a book by a guy by a creep man. Anyway, does he wear a fun top hat? The thing is, hat? like, for a long guy. time, you're like, oh, this is gross and bad. That's how it's going to play out. No, eventually, she's just like, all right, I'll go to dinner with you. And then it's like four pages later, she's just like, what are these feelings I have for him? And then it never comes up again. The, the move, the pace from he's in her apartment pushing her through a table on top of her yep. to oh i'm in i think i'm in love with this guy it's like six pages yep it's not a lot of space oh you know what i mean the best part is later when they're smooching they're like smooching yeah. in his apartment in hollywood after he just buys her tons of stuff too so it also is the implication of just like you know that she's just oh beyond the implication like that is it like his his wealth and him just buying her everything is like a huge part of him winning her over and, and make no mistake allison blair the character here is an object to be won over in her own yeah ground. right right like that is it she's yeah drooled over constantly yeah the uh i mean so after, after all that while they're like smooching and flirting she's used like bantering with him using the same lines that he was saying before like she's saying to him like don't you know if you're not gonna at least don't wiggle in my if you're not gonna melt in my arms at least don't wiggle in them while they're like passionately Jeez. smooching you know like throwing back I catch that your, yeah. <laughs> the the guy who sexually assaulted or attempted to sexually assault you the lines he was using it's it's horrifying you and know he, and he's the love interest he's the he's the, and he the, remains the love interest by never, the end of this book yep no it never reframes that it's not at the end she like realizes she doesn't need you know a rich boyfriend to make it like at the end she mm -hmm. breaks up with him but only because like she doesn't want to be a weight around his neck as a mutant and they go away both kissing and saying i love you to the other one that's the end of this and you know the other thing he does when they are when, when they have progressed to being in love which uh -huh. is nuts in and of itself yeah. is um he outs her as a mutant without her consent the world does yes. not know she is a mutant in, yeah, in, in an effort to promote her and try uh -huh. to get this movie made so there's also we're gonna have to talk about this but like there's also a weird meta thing of they're at marvel's actually trying to get a dazzler the movie made <laughs> like in real life during this there's a kind of a subplot of the book about trying to get a dazzler the movie made and the way they do it in the book is roman at one point his way to promote her is to say hey she's a mutant come check her out and she'll perform and use her powers dazzler does not agree to this when she does so and performs in such a way and uses her powers to a never before seen level she is in tears with how much it pains her it is a terrible thing to do to somebody. Yeah, and and, and then she turns around an issue later, and again is in love with him. Yeah, never, or an issue never later, really framed. Page later. Framed as bad. I mean, like after that, she pins him down in the uh, in like the limousine 
to, you know, like, do some more smooching. I, I think have sex right in front of the chauffeur, which is gross. Um, yeah, it's, it's mystifying. <laughs> it all feels like a weird, uh, you know, like, power fantasy for a pudgy middle-aged man. It's he, The worst part about all Kinda. of Kinda. He's not... It, Oh, no. Yes. I, no, he was okay, only, go ahead. What's your worst part of all this? Yeah, he was only like 34 when he wrote this, if that, something, 32, 33. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know how much, like, I, well, I'm not going to Otherwise, I don't know why. What was he really thinking? Yeah. It was Jim Shooter writing himself into this? I have no, no I don't, idea. I don't. I have zero yeah, idea. Who knows? The weird thing about it is that, like, take all that out of this. Like, take the fact that this guy. <laughs> take, <laughs> how can you take all that out of this? If you take out the, the fact book? that this man. Was aside from that, how was the play, Mrs. Lincoln? No, I know, I understand. Like this is a fatal flaw; it's a poison pill in the middle of this comic book. But if his pursuit of her was not this, like you know, uh, criminal, <laughs> you know, like sexual assault stuff, if it was a you know, they met and had a normal courting, I think the rest of this okay. would be pretty okay. I think that is that's what- a completely different book. No, it's not those t- couple pages where his pursuit of him. No, that's not all it is. is. He's a sleaze with. He's a sleaze even when he doesn't break into her apartment and try to rape her. Uh, I mean, kind of. Even beyond you, that, yeah. He's I a mean, sleaze kind bucket. of. But at least you could be like, oh, okay, well, you know, with her, like he changed and he's being like genuinely like, you know, he's not like just using her for her body or for some other reasons. Like, you know, he seems to genuinely fall for her. I mean, I, I don't think this would be a masterpiece or like a feminist, uh, you know, like classic. But I don't think this would be the absolute, like, disgusting disaster it would be if they re- removed that part. It would I be think. significantly less disgusting, yeah, I mean, I'll that, give you that, but part. it would also still be terrible. It would also still be boring as hell. Nothing happens in this book. It's terrible. Ah, Nothing happens. I, this is I, a book kinda, about Alison Blair, the mutant, in the Marvel I, I Universe. Kinda, I kinda what like, happens? I kind of like the, the, like, very mundane circumstances of all this. I, like, I'm kind of... The one thing I like, the one thing I like is the idea of a non-X-Men mutant working in the world yeah and trying to yeah, navigate like that, life that as a mutant. that is the one yeah. thing that gets explored here that is interesting. like there's no super villains there's no fighting here really like there's a little bit of like it's a, it's a young romance comic yeah 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 it's an old school romance comic written by the worst romance writer of all time <laughs> yes yeah yeah um yeah i i definitely would not put this in my bottom three of all time <laughs> but uh what's worse it is what is worse it is pretty what is worse um not much that we've read yeah, that's a, that's a fair point. <laughs> I mean, I've read other bad comics, but um, as far as like Marvel comics we've read so far, it's, it's pretty low on the list. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I don't know. I I think I can like see some more value in it than you can, maybe. Um, but like, cause uh, like I was saying, I was like live tweeting this, and I Slack. thought I was going to enjoy this. I want to be clear. Yeah, I set out to enjoy this. I, I was like, writing I about thought, it in the Slack. Oh, this is gonna be I was weird like, and fun. Oh, this is okay. The art's pretty good. Like, I like these characters. Blah blah blah. And then I got to page like twenty five or so, and I was like, oh, 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 okay. I see what's wrong mm-hmm. with this, right? So I think like there's potential here, and I think like some of that. I mean, specifically in the art and the pacing and all stuff like works. But I think that the themes and the story, like that, the some of those story details absolutely poison this into being, you know, a, a complete. Failure or uh, not a failure, but a. Uh, I think you get. I think you could take the specifics out, and it's still an absolute failure. Oh, Even, I, then oh. it would just be completely mundane. Oh, I like that part. I think I, I would have been interested in this if the romance. If the romance. This is in not. The this is not this... the creative team to do that story. I mean, maybe the artist, maybe, hmm. but Jim Shooter's still not that if writer. The romance in the center he can't write just a little slice not... of life about a mutant out in the world. Like you're talking about, like an indie. You know, give me like an Art Spiegelman's Dazzler the movie. Well, sure. <laughs> like I... like a cool slice of life. I'm thing. So, if this did not have... so give me a Jamie Hernandez Dazzler the movie. 
All right. Not Jim Shooter. If this was not good grief, if this did not have the the sleazy that sleazy aspect to their relationship at the center of this. I would be interested in this. I like. I would be, you know, into the idea of Dazzler the movie, right? And like Dazzler goes to Hollywood. I think it would still suck. To... As such, it just yeah. doesn't suck, or it sucks even worse. A few interesting. There's an interesting world around this awful, awful comic book. Yeah. That is, one, Stanley <laughs> Jim Shooter desperately wants this to be a real movie. <laughs> like, that is well, old. I don't know about Stan, Stanley the Manly, but yeah. everyone at Marvel uh, yeah, really has. wants Dazzler the movie to be a movie. Like, starting in the late 70s, they started this insane cross-promotional thing of it's going to be a comic book, mm-hmm. and that comic book is going to tie into a real-life pop star who is going to make an album, and that real-life pop star is going to play herself as Dazzler in Dazzler the movie, an actual movie. So, like, there's this grand plan to market this thing across every channel, Mm -hmm. which is actually, like, (laughs) a pretty cool idea. Yeah. Marvel, obviously, now we know, has had tons of success in cinema. At the time, of course, they had had none. So it's trying to do that with Dazzler as... But, like, that's the basis for launching her, okay? Um, There's a really interesting treatment that I think John Romita Jr. did of what the character should look like. And his vision was to use Grace Jones as mm, um, yeah. the literal actress mm-hmm. who would play her. And Marvel obviously went in a different direction. But, like, it, Google that and check out those sketches sometimes if you can find them. It's kind of, like, fascinating to see what Dazzler could have been if Marvel had been interested or interesting. Um, but, obviously, the album never comes out. The movie is, like, in production hell. Like, there's still talk of it possibly coming out during this time period like in the early 80s but it never comes out so the only thing that ever comes out of all this is this Tesla the movie graphic novel um the other thing that comes out of it which is amazing amazing is jim shooter wrote a movie treatment go i'm not gonna maybe we can share a link or something um maybe it's just in the slack but jim shooter's movie treatment is like the opposite of this graphic novel it's completely insane post-apocalyptic madcap action whoa weird it's got kiss in starring roles it's got rodney dangerfield in like a lot of different roles (laughs) okay (laughs) like the casting in it alone robin williams plays a prominent role um the casting is i think bo derrick is the dazzler okay Uh, that makes sense nuts if you do not did not already buy this and read it because we cruelly suggested you do so. Uh, read that instead. Jim Shooter had it for download available on his blog at one point. Uh, read the movie treatment because that's nuts and will give you a laugh. And this will make you upset and not want to read comics. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I don't know. Uh, there's, uh, I'm looking at the Amazon page. There's two bad reviews for it here. One is basically saying everything we're saying. It ends with the words, gross, James Shooter, just gross. <laughs> Um, Uh the other bad review which is three stars besides that it's a bunch of like four and five stars because comic people have absolutely no critical mind Um, uh, it's like I always taking on taking on the comics people of Amazon yeah sorry man Um, uh, it's a disappointment not because of the story or pencils but because of Vince Coletta's horrible inking sheesh (laughs) I love gotta take that shot (laughs) I think we mentioned it before but uh, comics tropes did a really good video about vince coletta's career um yeah. over on youtube yeah, i would recommend checking out it's that's a good video but uh, i didn't know this was vince coletta i like this yeah i like the, i specifically called out the inking as something i liked here the inks were not uh what now will have me put this my third least favorite comic of all time so no it is not worse than marvel it is not worse no. than one see the thing to me is, is like awful. marvel's in a league of its own 
for bad comics. Like comparing this to Marvel, I don't. I to me, like that. There's a there's a pretty wide gulf between those two comics for me. Whereas, like, yeah, Marvel, it's kind of on its own tier. I mean, I could I could be swayed into moving this below Wanted potentially. <laughs> I haven't read Wanted, so I, uh, I could be talked into that. I can't, I can't argue with that. Um, All right. Gotta, anything else to say about this atrocity uh, that you just, made us read? Just saying for two thousand two, casual reference when we get there. I guess uh, I'm going to say it now. We have to put trouble in. Yeah, so I think one thing I'm thinking is I don't know why I put this on the list. (laughs) I I genuinely don't either. We should definitely save the comics I know to be terrible for bad comic specials. You know what? I'm actually glad we talked about it here and not a bad comic special because I think Marvel at least is kind of funny bad, right? This is just well, it's not connected to anything either. I guess. Yeah, like Dazzler. That's the thing too. Is like Dazzler's ongoing. Goes for like forty issues yeah. from eighty one to mid eighties. I, I mean, oh, I think I she read, ties into like Secret Wars two. You know, she's around. I immediately went from this into Dazzler number one, which I think is fine. I like to I like Dazzler number one. Okay, I think it's. A, I think it's the same art team. Yeah, it um, is. But like on the actual Dazzler. Uh, oh, I don't know one. if Jim Shooter is writing it. Um, I think maybe same art. But no, Shooter's not the writer, no. but I think it's the same art team. Yeah. And I, if I'm not mistaken, those aerobics panels from the first two pages are straight up reused hmm. from. I, um, from one of Dazzler's solo, or like maybe solo yeah, on the first books. one, but yeah, I thought it was pretty good. Enchantress yeah. comes down and like they get into a singing contest, so <laughs> that was kind of fun. Yeah, I think I think the ongoing has those kind of like oh this kid this is kind of fun and goofy moments. Yeah. Um, I don't think it's amazing, but I think it can be no, kind of like but, oh yeah, I'll just read some Dazzler books yeah. in the way that you it's would okay. hope that the movie would have. Yeah. But instead, is is just like yeah. So I again, think Dave and I are in alignment. This is like a real B B minus. Would you really give this a B minus? No, no, no. Um, this is probably like a, a C minus for me. That's way too high. Yeah. This is a passing comic. I don't know. I don't know about letter grades. It's a it's a five out of ten. Aren't you some kind of professor? It's a two two. Don't you stars. work at a institution of learning? I mean, I don't have anything to do with classes. I'm a prof- yeah, good <laughs> I'm a professor. It's <laughs> funny. Good thing. Huh. All right. Hey, you know it would be this pretty funny if I was an unusual the episode dean of a college because then I'd be dean dean. I do like that one. Yeah, that's pretty good. The Dean's List, baby. All right, so uh, next next episode is not The Dean's List. It is Secret Wars. Oh, so if you hey, thought I was what, fired I'm, up... I'm literally, right now, as we speak, I am changing that on the spread list. The spread list. The spreadsheet from Zach's wow. Choice to, it's called, Dean's List. Yeah, that's that's way better. Yeah, Let's just do that. changed it. Yep. Um, all right, so The Dean's List, that's going to be after Secret Wars. Next episode, we're reading Secret Wars number one to number 12, the event that you've all been waiting for. Yep. Uh, there's a good chance... That after the stress and kind of fear and anger that reading Dazzler led to, <laughs> uh, that when we record Secret Wars, Zach and I just absolutely lose our we minds. get a divorce, yeah. Um, there's a very good chance. If you come in with some sort of lukewarm, just little weak, this is fine take, I'm going to shut down my computer. I don't know, man. That's, I'm gonna I haven't right started down. reading it yet, but a lot of people in the Slack are just like, eh, I don't know. It's kind of it's hard Here's to get Here's the thing it. about people in the Slack. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Here's the thing. Here's the aggressively angry thing I'm going to say about people in the Slack. Mm. I haven't read those responses, so I'm not going to say anything. <laughs> I'm going to bite my tongue, Zach, on that one. How mad would you be if I liked Dazzler out. the movie more than Secret Wars? Than Secret Wars? Yeah. Honestly, at, at I'd be more upset if... Um, What's the way to say this? Um, if people in the Slack were... Gen- if, like, the general My Marvelous Year Club was, like, siding with you, would it make mm. me more upset? Because I already know... I already know your flaws. <laughs> <laughs> I'm extremely aware. <laughs> yeah, but so, you, you don't uh, need to Yeah, I'd be more like... If most community. people in the club were like, Secret Wars isn't that good. What is Dave talking about? That would be a 
upsetting and probably mm-hmm. the end of the club. Okay. <laughs> You're just going to can the whole thing. So I'll take my ball and go home for sure. Okay. Fair enough. Um, yeah, okay. So, that's so the, Gauntlet that's is thrown. Yeah. Uh, you better like this. Doom commands it. Yeah. And we're going to be talking Secret Wars, Marvel's first huge event, and uh, a pretty special time in Marvel Comics. Also written by the man oh, of oh, the hour, oh, we did, Jim Shooter. We, we forgot to call out. I will say a little uh, a little excitement for Secret Wars. At the end of Spider-Man 251, Spider-Man, whose spider sense mm. has been like dinging randomly, goes to Central Park and finds this big weird spaceship. Um, and like, Thanks for calling that out. Yeah, and yeah. then like gets you know uh, zapped away as he like enters the spaceship. And it's like... You know, find out where Spider-Man went in Secret Wars number one, um, which is pretty interesting because then you know, two fifty-two, Spider-Man's got his new costume. <laughs> so you're like, well, something. Two fifty-two is post-Secret Wars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The which we're not reading that. Like, I, is that not a particularly good issue? Because that cover is like an all-time classic. But uh, we're not. Two fifty-two is yeah. super is super relevant. We are reading two fifty-eight, which yeah. is the most uh, relevant story. Two fifty-two. That cover is. I mean, it's the first appearance of the Black Issue. That one's yeah. going for a few bucks. Yeah, yeah. Uh, if you ever find it at a con. Yeah, it's a cool cover. Okay. Yes, indeedy. Um, right. Okay. See you next Anything week else? for Secret Wars, baby. I'm excited about that. All right. Thanks, yeah, everybody. Um, what was I going to... Oh, credits. Uh, you can find support for the show, patreon.com slash marvelshear. Music for the show is by Disaster Piece. I'm Dave. You can find my stuff, comicbookherald.com. And uh, you can find Zach online at my marvelshear pretty much everywhere. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Yep, yep. All righty. Secret Wars next week. Let's do this. Uh, oh, see that, you disaster piece year. did the theme gotta call that out i already said that did you you never the tape to me. the tape will tell <laughs> the tape will tell okay I, i'm certain i'd bet no. my socks on it Sorry. all right big sock bet next week and uh in secret wars 2 see you next year see you next uh,